Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. We concluded our last podcast uh, with the, the the question, you know, the little bit of prediction. We like to sometimes in the moment as we're recording uh, put something down. We said, you know, what, what do we think is going to be happening with Matt Rule? I said, are we going to be back later this week recording an emergency Matt Rule podcast? I believe the votes were... Uh, Barton, you said New York Giants, and Tom and I said he's going to stay at Baylor. And well, um, some some news for all of us because as the news broke on Tuesday morning, it showed that all of us were just about. <laughs> <laughs> the Carolina Panthers are finalizing a deal with Matt Rule to be its next head coach. Lots to get into from that, but starting uh, Barton, how are, Barton, you are uh, you're you're playing you're you're playing hurt right now, and I uh, I appreciate your commitment to getting the emergency Matt Rule pod out to the loyal listeners. Yeah the 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 emergency news ain't waiting on my flu, so uh, let's let's uh, let's rock it and Matt Rule. Um, He's he's gonna have to play through some pain too if he's gonna pay seventy million dollars, dude. <laughs> but Bruce Feldman tweeted that that's not um, significantly higher than what Baylor was paying him. Well, okay, so Baylor's a private school, so right. the information that's available does not always line up exactly with what coaches' compensations are. We're used to that, and when he agreed to uh, take the Baylor job, I do remember it was a seven-year deal. Yeah. And a lot of that was trying to lure him into a job that, you know, was the the program was in a really, really tough spot. But I I the most interesting thing that I like is did you see the report that he called the Giants and offered them a chance to match the Carolina Panthers offer? So sounds like uh old billionaire David Tepper. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh graduate, you know, former minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He showed up in Waco, started talking to this uh, former Penn State walk-on, and a couple of Yinzers just started started building a little bit of a dream together. That's how I think this worked out. Yeah, I mean that that was. I mean, I I felt like if he got a good offer, he was going to go to the NFL, and I felt like the Giants would be the most appealing situation for him. Sounds like the the Panthers gave him the best offer. And look, if they're going to let him do his thing, bring his whoever he wants, not lock him into a coaching staff, then uh, then I, I I just think this is the spot for him. And and you're as always, you're going to get a few people tweeting out and and commenting about how 
you know, he lied to his players and he mentioned that he was, or even our boy Matt Coca, one of our producers, was tweeting, coaches always lie. But look, ultimately all he said was, I think I'll be back. I, I expect to be back. I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna ding him too much for that because he was very open and honest about the interview process the entire time, even going so far as to having team meetings with his players saying, if an NFL job comes open, I will pursue it. I will, or, or I don't know about pursue it. it was I will listen. listen. It was always, I'll yeah. listen. And, and, you know, we are... We, we are going to take these calls because these calls mean that we're doing good things here and it would be silly for me not to take those calls. Yes. So, hey, and I think I think the Panthers got a really good coach. I think he's going to I think he's more equipped than most college coaches to be a successful NFL coach. Do you think that this ultimately comes down to the fa- first of all, let's let's uh, let's do a little bit of mythbusters here. Funk How about how about the uh, the the first lowest level um, the entry point of myth that I've seen so far is that Matt rules an offensive coach, which just has to be because he's coming from the Big Twelve, right? Well, that that's the thing about Matt Matt Rule is he he's has an everything coach. Yeah, he's coached he's coached. You can call him an offensive coach. You can call him a defensive coach too. Uh, he is he has coached both sides of the ball significantly at high levels. So he is he's just a coach. The other, uh, there was a lot of people trying to tie him to the New York Giants because he spent a season there as an assistant under Tom Coughlin, and he, I guess, he was born in New York City or at least spent some time in his childhood there. And I think that this this happened in this case with an NFL job, but I'm starting to make it uh, a, a task for myself as we start to go about some of these college jobs, and you know the the conversations that you've had with coaches. Uh, just sort of t- tell me if you um, tell me what you think about this. I believe that in this era of the coaching search news industry, we might have we might be putting a little bit too much weight on what we find on Wikipedia. Just because a coach spent two seasons at whatever state university does not mean that he necessarily has ties there. Because the head coach could be gone, the athletic director could be gone, could be an entirely different university president and entire system around there. And that, you know, just because we've seen playing history, coaching history, you know, where they're from, it is something that is probably worth mentioning in the analysis of it. But I think that in the, for those of us that are in the business of trying to detail the moving pieces of coaching searches, we might be putting a little bit too much weight on that, particularly in this modern era where, you know, recruiting is national and you can travel a lot easier from place to place. And, and coaches certainly are more interested in mobility uh, than necessarily putting down firm roots in one specific place. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, like, I, I think the, the, I don't know, most, entertaining development of the last 48 hours is this Joe judge special teams coordinator with all these ties to Mississippi state that was had interviewed well was becoming the target of the Mississippi state's coaching search in part because of the ties, but no one knows no college fan knows whether to be excited about a special teams coordinator in the NFL. And so that would have been a very, I don't know, ho-hum, uh, higher that wouldn't have gotten the fan base overly excited i don't think and then uh right as you're starting to try to figure out a way to warm up to him he gets hired by the new york giants and so i think not only are you talking about like the geographic ties and the you know the the lineage that you have associated with schools but 
unless you're in the building with guys, sometimes you don't really know what kind of a coach they are. And so the the validation for that to, for that to have been a good hire by Mississippi State is that the New York New York Giants wanted him. But you know the fact the New York Giants want him, I mean you're not getting them. Uh, okay, let's. Uh... Let's save Mississippi State because I definitely want to come back to that as that is uh, continued to have some uh, developments here. Now for the where Baylor goes next, you've got to hope uh, if you are within that Baylor athletic department that this is not a shock. This should not be a shock. If you were doing your job as the athletic director, then you are starting to create contingency plans for the idea that Matt Rule might leave for the NFL. He might have decided to stay on this go-round. But with the Jets' interest last year and the NFL interest he got this year, I uh, hope that there were there, there were some pieces put together. Now, if the Matt Rule's salary at Baylor was supposed to be one of the you know tops in the country, if they're willing to pay, then they should be able to lure uh, another another particular option. So when you're when you're looking at where Baylor goes from here, I guess the Number one, what are the names that start to come to mind? Either that you think Baylor will look at, or even you know ones that you think Baylor should look at. I think there's two two names that pop to mind immediately. One is Billy Napier, who is obviously the coach at Louisiana. He just won the what was that bowl last night? Lending Tree. The Lending. You get it. The Lending Tree Bowl, and has been outstanding in his two seasons. Um, at Louisiana, and he can recruit. He's an offensive guy. He is uh, a program builder. He's he's an energetic young coach. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and I, and he just turned down Mississippi State, according to multiple reports. He uh, maybe even preemptively said, "I'm not interested." That's not for me. Oh no, that's not uh, even multiple reports. I tracked it down. That was at a bowl media availability. He, he said, just straight up said it, huh? Yeah, he, he straight up said, um, we've had some conversations and it's uh, fair to say that I've decided that I'm not a candidate, or we've decided that I'm not a candidate. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think what that is, is his experience as the receivers coach at Alabama, he, he understanding what he has to go up against, the monster of the SEC West, going to Mississippi State. I think he's smart enough to know that that's going to be too big of a job for him to be successful at. Or I don't know if he's smart enough to know, but that's what he thinks. Uh, but Baylor's a different deal. You're inheriting a program that's playing at a high level. The roster's strong. They just had a, on the doorsteps of the college football playoffs, and it's a much more winnable conference. So I think that Billy Napier makes a ton of sense there. Similar to – I think you and I both thought that Mississippi State was just going to – all right, Moorhead gone. Let's call Billy Napier get it done. That, that – that obviously didn't play out like that, but I could see Baylor having a similar response. The other name is on the staff currently. It's a guy named Joey McGuire. He was the head coach at Cedar Hill High School uh, before Matt Rule hired him on as an assistant coach. I think he coaches maybe the tight ends or something. Uh, maybe he's, he's jumped positions here and there, but he's just a really good dude, just a – Really well liked. Team loves him. Team's already tweeting out support for him. Um, you know that that would be the in-house hire of let's get let's keep this thing stable. Let's uh, let's let's continue what we've started here under Matt Rule. And um, you know I think Joey McGuire would be the the internal fan favorite. Three Texas State titles as a Cedar Hills head coach and. 
He was he spent two years on Baylor's staff, and to your point, comes in as a positions coach, gets promoted prior to this season to associate head coach. Uh, that's that that to me seems like the one that you know with the it, it's easy if you want to follow the dominoes and if you want to have the the carousel spin then you know maybe you're starting to go out there and be like well you know the you know Josh Heupel's out there Sonny Dykes is out there Blake Anderson as a potential option from Arkansas State but with it being so late in the cycle and with the recruiting efforts that you're going to try to you know do what you can to keep it together I if if I was setting the uh the old odds on this I'm going to just take a bet and go in house no sources but yeah. I I'm going to make a bet and say in-house is the way to go if I'm Baylor's athletic director. Yeah, I, I just think that they're – I mean, I don't, I don't I don't, disagree with that. You know, I think it's similar to the deal, you know, Ryan Silverfield got hired in Memphis despite Memphis being one of the most highly sought-after jobs in group of five. And they hired their associate head coach, offensive line coach. And, you know, outside the building might be hard to, to fathom that, to, to pass over all the other hot – coordinators around the country or other group of five head coaches but I think if you're in that building you understand why they they hire Ryan Silverfield I think that's a similar deal with Joey McGuire if you're in that building you understand why he's of of has such high regard and I think there is something to be like you know I think Baylor felt good about having like a good human being as their head coach I as uh, I mean which was probably needed yeah exactly and still needed and that that obviously isn't meant as as a offhanded remark towards Billy Napier, but it's just Joey McGuire is someone that I think is considered to be a really good human being and who is, is, um, he's there and then could, could keep the, keep the train rolling. Do you think that Baylor's success in 2018 will be able to be replicated moving forward? And I'll throw it at you with in the next five years over under Big 12 championship game appearances, five years from here, here moving forward, one and a half. So basically you're saying, is are they going to get in there? Multiple more times. Than, yeah, more than, I guess it wouldn't have to be more than Texas, but you know that's sort of the other. I, I'd say, I'd, uh, I think they'll get there at least one more time. Um. I'm going to just, I'll just say under. Yeah. You know, I just think it's, this might have been a little bit more of a catching lightning in a bottle than, than people want to accept. That doesn't mean they're not going to be really competitive in the, in, in, indefinitely, but championship games is, is, is tough to do, especially if, I mean, if Texas ever gets back on track. They had five wins by one score. Right. They were in a lot of tight, weird, tough games and on one side you know that's where you start to talk yourself into Matt Rule and the belief that he's able to instill within a program and within a roster across a roster and you know the the fact that they just they can play in the high scoring games they can play in the low scoring slobber knockers like those are those are things that if you want to talk yourself into Matt Rule and into this team that you do but you know, the what was it? The same thing that he even said at the Big 12 championship game, or maybe it was before the Sugar Bowl on the sideline. He said, look, 
10 of the 11 starters on that defensive side of the ball played on our 1-11 and team. You know, they're out here trying to, you know, play for pride, this, that, or the other. Well, that also means that, you know, this success might be, to your point, uh, a great confluence of circumstance of players that came in and took this program from a, from a really rough spot, worked together, and were able to, to achieve these great heights. And that would suggest, especially within a college football world where – you know, the membership to the gold circle is very, very limited, and it's tough to be able to remain in there for longer than a season or two. That, yeah, like expecting Big 12 championships to happen on the reg is going to be very, very difficult, especially when, as you mentioned, we're talking about uh, Texas. That's what they're going to have their goal on, and no one thinks Oklahoma is going anywhere. No, no, Oklahoma, as long as Lincoln Riley's there, is, is they're, they're locked in to the big 12 championship game as far as I'm concerned. And there's just two, there's just, I mean, we expect Iowa state to have a Baylor year like this at some point. Um, we expect Texas to, to have a stay healthy at some point. We expect Oklahoma state to always be a threat. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's just a lot of options in the big 12. Is, is the big 12 all right now on the other side of this, do you take the big 12 did not have a good showing in bowl season this Bad year bowl season. Do you use that to extrapolate to conference strength? I don't know. I, I don't dismiss it, but I don't know. I, I'm no. I'm a little bit reluctant to just grade the conferences based on bowl season. Well, I took it as a not a lesson, but a note because I thought that the Big Twelve, especially the middle of the Big Twelve, was one of the more intriguing conferences. And so my note moving forward was don't mistake interest and intrigue with greatness or with strength. Like just because we're watching Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and we can't figure out who's better than the other, they're all kind of turning in these Jekyll and Hyde performances and and leading to these really interesting games that are tough to predict. We're breaking it down on locks. We don't know how it's going to go. It made me very tuned into the Big 12 and fat and like wanting to be a part of the Big 12 conversation, but when those same teams, your, you know, your Kansas State, your Oklahoma State and uh Who's the other one? Iowa State. Yeah, when Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State, those three teams that I think occupied that really interesting middle chunk of the league, when they go out to bowl season and they don't have a all that impressive performance, it does have me being like, okay, now was I just was I just caught up in like general football fun and, and mistaking it for a really strong league? Because there were times last season where I was like, man, the Big Twelve is uh, Big Twelve is a good conference. Big Twelve is a real good conference when it. When it might not have been as as great as it was fun to cover. Yeah, I just think it was a really competitive conference, and I, I think I probably overvalued the Big Twelve. I think it was a really competitive conference. It's still really tough to get through undefeated, unbeaten because everyone's about the same, which is good enough to beat you. But I think you know you're kidding yourself if you don't look at what happened in the bowl season to at least sort of acknowledge that uh, perhaps the Big Twelve was while competitive with each other not as high up on the, the conference pecking order. Okay. Now uh, we mentioned Mississippi state a couple times, Billy Napier. He comes out and he says, I am not a candidate for this job. And now the bowl game is over and it, you know, it could have been one of those things where, you know, he might change his tune. Maybe Mississippi state goes to make another run at him. If, if Baylor's not able to, uh, 
to go get to him first. And you mentioned Joe Judge development here on this Tuesday morning that you know Mississippi State fans are just talking themselves into Joe Judge, and now Joe Judge is off at the New York Giants. Where does Mississippi State go next uh, for its head football coach? I don't know. I think the only uh, the only name that's is floating around the reports that seems to make sense is Todd Grantham right now. You know, there's I, I feel like I've seen some Jeff Mock in here and there. I feel like I don't know that I've even seen any Willie Fritz anywhere, even though I think we both agree that would make some sense. Um, I don't know. Betting betting man, I would probably bet on Todd Grantham at this point, but who who the hell knows? This is I, this is I feel like the candidates um, are a little underwhelming at this stage in the process for, for Mississippi State. Would Todd Grantham be an underwhelming hire, though? I I would characterize it as that. Mm. I mean, there. Look, there's. You never know. I mean, I, that's the way I stand on these hires. Is I'm very reluctant to just sort of grade them uh, because you don't ever really know. But uh, I, I'm. I think the the really emotional, hard nosed coaches are are no longer. You know, like the, all the all the rants and craziness that you see out of Todd Grantham on the sideline. I mean, you see it out of Will Muschamp too, and Will Muschamp hasn't ever really converted to a strong head coach. Like, there's there's a level of calm and poise that I think you have to have as a head coach that I feel like Todd Grantham hasn't shown. Uh, so I don't know. I'd have to be, I'd have to be in that interview, but it, it, it strikes me as if you're let's put it this way: if you're gonna if Mississippi State in mid-December was making a coaching hire and they hired Todd Grantham. I can't, I can't imagine that that would have come off as, you know, this is the best guy we, we can find. Does it, this might be unfair, but I get like, not based on personality, but I just, I get the Jeremy Pruitt vibes is what you talk yourself into. If you're a Mississippi state fan, who was the guy that they almost hired the first time around that you're just like, you know, he's he knows the league, he knows the lay of the land. We're gonna we're he's he's gonna get in here and he's gonna try to build this, you know, it, where Jeremy Pruitt's like the you know, he's got his own brand of, you know, Alabama tough and, and Todd Grantham's got his own brand of, you know, aggressiveness. But I think that you look at Tennessee's eight and five season in year two, and as a Mississippi State fan, you're kinda hoping that you're gonna catch that same uh, trajectory. It's like a lot tougher in the SEC West than it is in the SEC East. But it that's when I get uh, I get I get the the Jeremy Pruitt type vibes because by the time Kirby Smart left for Georgia, Kirby Smart had become I think a little bit more of a a recognizable coordinator, defensive coordinator. You know Saban's uh, you know right hand for all that time. Jeremy Pruitt he was part of the program and he came from Hoover, but I. I, he he might have come in with just a little bit more star power, but I can't say that at the time he was hired, Jeremy Pruitt had more star power than you know Todd Grantham. I think Jeremy Pruitt had had a few more skins on the wall though, didn't he? With with, with like just big wins, national championships, um, things like that. Um, sure, uh, more definitely more than Todd Grantham. Yes. Yeah. At least at the elite level, like national championship, that kind of stuff, for sure. But I mean, look, I think that that uh, Todd Grantham, Jeremy Pruitt, that's a fair comparison. Um, is because here, here's the thing about Pruitt is he come he 
he I think he intentionally presents himself as country bumpkin, slow talking, not that smart. All heck, I just hope we get lucky and win today. And that's like the reality is he is an incredibly smart um, and football coach who I think can and does think big picture. And and so Todd Grantham has to prove that he's that as well. And hey, look, maybe like I don't know, I don't know the answer to that, but. If he is, then that could be a really good hire. Yeah. I like you grading hires is a fool's errand. Like that's it's the the decision on whether or not this hire works or not probably has a lot more to do with the actions and the decisions that are going to come across the next 18 months than they do about whatever's happened to this point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Barton, thank you for, uh, for for toughing it out, the good people of the uh, the good listeners of the Cover Three podcast appreciate it. Make sure to get yourself ready, get your body and your mind ready because we do have championship locks coming up later in the week. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, weekly reminder: mailbags open. Just head on over to the Cover Three podcast, leave a five star review, and in your review, leave a question for the mailbag. It will be addressed in a future mailbag segment. Barton, feel better. Thank you very much. Coming up on the other side, it's a little bit of crossover with highlights from my conversation with Will Brinson, Ryan Wilson, and John Breach of the Pick 6 Podcast. And we're back. As I mentioned before the break, I was on the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' esteemed NFL podcast, to discuss Matt Rule. So figured that we'd include some highlights of that discussion here for you, the Cover 3 Podcast listeners. Be sure, if you're looking for NFL action, to always subscribe to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm not going to act like I know everything about Matt Rule. I mean, Chip, you know, like if you, that's just sort of what happens when you, like you follow the college game and you sort of have your eye on him, but like, I don't, I don't know the deep dive on where he's been and, and what he's done uh, to a full extent. By the way, he was in, he was, he was at Western Carolina from 2002 to 2005, what which is doing? actually, what's that? What was he doing there? Well, I, Matt Rule is the ultimate job, ultimate example of, I will take whatever job anywhere just just let me get like it doesn't really matter what the position is i don't have a set plan in my head of how i want to go about my career or what universities i want to be at so like western carolina for a few years just just getting experience coaching ball i think listen you know what matt rule's gonna be he's about to be one to know against this press conference he is going to (laughs) blitz this this press conference um i I agree but i'm just saying he western carolina which is in um, what city is it in, Chip? It's in uh, the Catamounts are in uh, I don't know. Uh, they are. It's in. Um, are you looking Cullow- it up? Cullowee. Cullowee. Yeah. But so Cullowee to Charlotte is not that far a drive. So like he, I mean, I'm not saying that if you live in the mountains of North Carolina, you're not like that's not like living in Charlotte. But it's not that like it's not that far. You would typically have a mountain house if you live in Charlotte and you're some rich football coach. So I think he's at least geographically familiar with the area enough that it's not like a like and that matters, right? That matters. I, I I'm doing that a little bit less. I mean, we've we've all worked together for a long time. You you find ebbs and flows and what you value and what you don't value. And I've started to try to not make some of those assumptions, even based on like if you were a position coach at another yeah. school, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've got ties to that school because the coach that you worked for and the athletic director that was there could have been gone. Like if you were in, if you were in Cullowee coaching ball, I don't, I don't know how much time you have to get to Charlotte. You know, I like, I don't know how much time you spend yeah. outside the football facility. Like it's just, I, I'm just you know. all I'm saying is that like, is that there's, I think at least for me and maybe Matt rule is different, but like 
I think when you land, you land in Charlotte and there's a sense of, at least a sense of familiarity as opposed to if he's, if he's, that's sort of, I mean, like, then that's sort of why, like, if, like, if you go to like, let's say he's taking the Cleveland job or whatever, he lands in Cleveland. He's like, what, what is this? You well, know what I, mean? I don't, I don't know if it matters, but yeah, I mean, he's back okay, home. Fine, so whatever. Doesn't yeah. matter. Okay. I think the, the most important thing is that the organization is, seems like exactly the right fit. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, is it possible, Chip, that we're overhyping this CEO aspect based on, cause like, like Lincoln, Matt Rule is not the sexy hire. Lincoln Riley is the sexy hire. Like, oh, like explosive offense, Star Wars approach. Like, I don't know anyone on Baylor. I, I don't know. A, I don't know if I know a single player on the Baylor roster. And I, I watch. I watch a bunch of Baylor games. I, I, this year. I bet you. So Ryan is James Lynch the highest rated uh, Baylor player right now? No, no. It'd probably be Denzel Mims, and then the oh, running okay. back whose, whose name I can't remember who's going to the Senior Bowl. Gotcha. Um, but that's that's where I am. Is Jay, tell me, I don't even know what position James Lynch play, plays. He's a defensive lineman. He was uh, first team All Big Twelve. One of those just they played they played three down and just again he just wanted freaks. He they would just they would rush three <laughs> and, dro- and drop eight and just be like, hey, look, Big Twelve quarterbacks try to throw the ball between all these arms and legs that are just out here blocking passing lanes. The the thing that makes Matt Rule. The, the sexy, like CEO is an easy way to package it, but it is going to come with the idea that he's going to, he, he's going to try to create some kind of environment, like the, the culture thing, especially at the NFL is very difficult for me to understand because it seems a little phony, at least, you know, the way that culture narratives are spun, especially around new hires. Like what was the joke? Uh, college football. I think it might've been Dan Steinberg, uh, where it said college football or NFL coaching hires are just a seamless transition of removing ping pong tables because we're taking football more seriously and putting ping pong tables back in because we're finally starting to like each other again. Like I, I I do think that the narrative of culture is a little bit like misguided and frou-frou at the NFL level, but man, like Baylor was in a horrendous state when it comes to culture Uh, and he was, able to like you know get in there and put his own stamp on it i don't think he repaired things now i don't i was not ever trying to write the matt rule fixed everything that was wrong at baylor like that is way way off base and that was trying to extend a lot more power to the head football coach for an issue that was institutional through and through but i do think he was able to not fix it but put his own stamp on it and the players in that locker room i mean just think about the way he handled this uh, two days before the Sugar Bowl comes out, tells his team, he's like, guys, I'm going to take some interviews. If NFL teams yeah, call, yeah. I'm going to listen. And when his players spoke to the media right after that meeting, they said, we respect him for that. We respect that transparency. I also respect that he was like, uh, before I take those interviews, I'm taking a vacation to Mexico. Uh, I'm not talking to anyone. So you all can screw off for a few days while I go have fun in Cabo. That is also very respectable. Respect it. And what I might do for a couple podcasts later this year, Brinson, sorry, man. Be Mexico, yeah, I'm skip out. <laughs> I, I'll, yeah, I plan on doing the exact same thing. I'm sure you'll be in Cabo with your your infant. The uh, Panthers hired Matt Rule. So, Chip, let's go to you first because, frankly, like I can tell you that he's a CEO. He's a program builder. He was at Temple. He was at Baylor. What is the first thing that NFL fans, NFL podcast listeners 
should know about Matt Rule, smock-wearing former Baylor coach turned Panthers CEO slash coach. The smock has a lot of cargo. You know, I think it's a really efficient use of where you're going to put your play sheet, where you're going to put your markers, where you're going to put any snacks that you need in the middle of a game. The smock is great. I Look, do you know what program builder and player developer come down to? It come down to the fact that starting at Temple and then again at Baylor, whenever they would have their pro days, NFL GMs, NFL scouts would show up to campus and they would see a roster of names that were not four and five star players players that were projected out of high school to go on to the nfl and be in the nfl draft and they'd come away and be like man i tell you what like that that temple defensive line like they've they've got some pros on there or look at that secondary or look at that offensive line like they've they, they've developed some pros there and the same thing has happened especially with this year's baylor team because the most of the starters on this year's Baylor team, which again, only lost to Oklahoma. And I understand that given the way that Oklahoma lost to LSU, it's easy to write them off. But I mean, the Sooners were still one of the best offenses in the country and one of the top defenses in the Big 12. But Baylor only lost to Oklahoma. They won all their other games and they did it with a group that started 1-11 playing a ton of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, and they just developed and built up. And now all of a sudden you're a Big 12 championship caliber team. So that aspect of it is what player development is, is when these NFL GMs and scouts have shown up, they have not expected to find pros and they have seen with their own eyes future pros. And then the, the like other stuff that I think is really going to be interesting at the NFL level is with roster management because he's doing something that I actually heard from Herm Edwards. He said uh, at Arizona State, you know, we are using an NFL or a pro way of building out our roster, which is we want specific heights, weights, speeds, sizes. Like we almost uh, recruit the way that you used to recruit on NCAA football where you could set your filters (laughs) to say, you know, we only want these certain physical attributes. And that's what Matt Rule's done is he said, you know, for I'm going to use these numbers and they are not going to be right specifically. But he said for, you know, our cornerbacks, we want you to be uh, at least six feet tall. Anybody under six feet, you're ruled out. You're not going to be a corner. We think you should be at, this, at least this heavy. And we think that, you know, not even your 40 time, we think your 100-yard dash time should be able to be this. And so they build out these positional profiles, and they just uh, they think that with our weight room and with our teaching of the game of football – we can make up the rest, you know, like, uh, you know, you were put on this earth with these physical attributes, but we can teach you the mental side. We can help you with the strength side. And those are things that I think are really attractive as not just college football, but NFL in general is starting to bend away from the offensive whiz kid or defensive mastermind and more of the like, now you need to understand what's happening on both sides of the ball and all across your roster. If you're going to be able to lead a modern football team. By the way, to follow up on what Chip's saying, and he's exactly right, some of the guys that were drafted out of Temple when Matt Rule was there, Nate Hairston, cornerback, he was a fifth-round pick. Tavon Young, cornerback, he was a fourth-rounder. Matt Ioannidis, fifth-rounder. Uh, Tyler Matakavich. Good, good. Tavon Young, Matt Ioannidis, too, like the most underrated players in the NFL, by the way. Tyler Matakavich, seventh-rounder. He's made a living as a special teamer. And then Hassan Reddick was the only first-rounder he had out of that Temple group uh, who's still playing in, in Arizona. Um, he hasn't necessarily met expectations, but he was at a point where uh, Steve Wilkes tried to get rid of him. It was sort of a weird situation. But the point is, as Chips basically said, he can develop these guys. He can take guys that that didn't come in highly recruited and make them into the players that he envisions them to be. And then not only that, they can take that and, and play professional football. And, and I would imagine that's extremely enticing 
for uh, what the Panthers want to do. For as good as Ron Rivera is, the reality is, starting in 2013, which is his third year there, they won double-digit games, and then every other year they'd have a losing season, winning season, losing season, and then they had back-to-back losing seasons, and of course he was fired in 2019. So I think it's time to move on. That made some sense, given the direction that uh, Tepper wanted to go, and, and I think Matt Rule is an absolute home run. He's not an XO's genius necessarily, but he does a lot of the things when you hear him talk and the way he dresses that reminds me of Bill Belichick, but with a sunny disposition. And, and if that's something you're looking for, I, I think this makes sense. And, and by the way, I'd throw in too, uh, Deion Dawkins was also a, uh, for the Bills, really nice young offensive lineman, was was drafted in the second round in 2017 out of Temple. And then like the, the NFL draft is weird when you start assigning credit to coaches. Because, like, I would assume that um, that Matt Rule recruited Rock Yasin, who was drafted as a second-round pick uh, in 2019 out of Temple. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to no, get credit for it. Rock Yasin transferred from Presbyterian after one year, so he oh, probably had nothing okay, to do with that. Okay, all right. You know what I mean, though? Like, it's hard to, like, it's hard to, like, like, if a coach, if a guy leaves – in 2019, but Matt Rule left in 2018. I'm just, I'm not, I don't know that's not exact, but it's, it's hard to like figure out who recruited who, you know what I mean? Or yep. deep college football cut. Were they recruited by Manny Diaz when he had that job for six days? <laughs> <laughs> How about the fact that this is, this is the thing that drives Debo nuts about this whole podcast, but like, I love the fact that Manny Diaz's Miami team is in complete shambles and they have to play Temple to open up next year. Oh, it's beautiful. Like, Temple, Temple's going to slaughter them. Breach. Uh, what's your shock factor? Give me a shock grade. A, A, A B, C, D, E, F, D, uh, A being most shocking. I, I, wait, wait. Can we do this on a number scale? I feel like that One is more 10, relatable, easier to understand. Ten is most shocking. I'll say I am nine shocked at the timing, but only six shocked shock. at the name. Because, look, Matt Rule had an interview scheduled with the Giants. We all thought he was going to go to the interview. There was no indication that that wasn't going to happen. And David Tepper must have fallen in love because when you're the second or first richest owner in the NFL and you find a guy you like, you're going to bust out your checkbook, give the dude a blank check, and say, all right, man, write your number down because uh, you're the next coach of the Carolina Panthers. You're not visiting with the Giants. We're getting this done right now. Uh, hey, Bruce, can, I, can I ask you something, though? So do you think if you're Matt Rule – and David Tepper says, do what you want to do. Or you go to New York and have to deal with Dave Gettleman. You're canceling that trip, though, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you, how? You, well you're talking to David Tepper. You know, you're you're dealing directly with the owner who is going to be very hands-on as far as, uh, you know, like the, the Giants kind of let Gettleman do their thing. It's not like Mara or Steve Tisch are out there doing things. So, uh, yeah, if David Tepper says, hey, look, you're in charge this is your program. You do what you need to. Yeah, you're going to sign that deal right now because you don't know what kind of headache. You don't know what you're going to have to deal with Dave Gettleman in New York. Our thanks to Barton Simmons. Our thanks to Will Brinson, Ryan Wilson, John Breach. Cover 3 Podcast, Pick 6 Podcast crossover. Hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe to the Cover 3 Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've got the championship locks coming up on Thursday, so you want to be sure you get it. Locks, props, prop it and lock it. We'll be there. Gentlemen, all of you, thank you very much.